It's good to be here with all of you again today. As mentioned last week, James and Deb are in Israel, so you get to listen to the youth minister preach uh, again this week. I hope that you all have had a great week. I've spent my weekend watching March Madness. I got to watch St. Peter's number 15 seed knock off Purdue, the first 15 seed to ever be in the Elite Eight. So we're praying for victory tonight in my house. I pray that St. Peter's wins today and that they get to go on to the Final Four When we're talking about the mustard seed, I think about St. Peter's, the small school that is doing awesome things. So go St. Peter's, Boo Duke, whatever. I don't know how y'all feel, but if you're watching March Madness, I guess whatever makes your bracket happy, whatever that may be. So like I mentioned, we are going to be in the parable of the mustard seed today. That is Matthew 13, 31 through 32. If you wouldn't mind, go to Matthew 13. We're going to be mostly in Matthew 13, 31 through 32, but we're going to be looking at different sections of this chapter as we discuss what this parable means for us today, what this parable means for our life. So this parable, in this section of parables, this is actually one of the shortest parables that Jesus gives. This is one of the shortest terrible parables that he delivers, but it is very connected to the parable of the talents that we talked about last week. If you were here last week, you, you know that we talked about this, this master that had three different servants. And, what, and we learned that Jesus had these clues laid out for us, that when we interpret them, because it's very rare in Jesus' ministry that he's going to give us the answer to what the parable actually means. You know, he wants us to go home and wrestle with what the parable is talking about. Think about it. Go to our dinner tables. Go to our houses. Go to our workplaces and wrestle with what the meaning of this parable actually is. He doesn't typically give us the answer. Now, this is frustrating to some of us. We talked about this last week. This is frustrating to some of us. Some of us want the answer. Some of us desire to know exactly what's going on. We're black and white people. We want to know what the answer is, and we want to we know exactly what we're supposed to do. In fact, it, it, that's not what Jesus says. He says, now, when I tell you the story, here, he, he's not saying, here's exactly what I want you to hear. And in fact, what Jesus is doing here, by not giving us the answers, asking us to go wrestle with what this parable is actually talking about, he's actually honoring us, honoring the reader or the listener by assuming that we're going to take this parable that he's taught and that we're going to go home and that we're going to wrestle with it. He honors us. He doesn't spood feed us this interpretation. And again, that's frustrating to some of us, but I think it shows us the depths to which Jesus wants to honor people. He's not forcing the kingdom of God on anybody. Jesus isn't in the business of forcing us to believe what he's trying to teach. He wants us to believe it, but he's not forcing us to do it. He wants to make it so compelling. He wants to make it so beautiful, so inviting, that when you see my life, Jesus says, when you listen to my teachings, that you'll want to put them into practice, that you'll want to be like me, and that you'll be blessed because of that. And so last week we learned from this great riddle, this great mashal, this parable, that the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, the greatest risk is to never take a risk. That actually the kingdom of God does not seek out people who want to play it safe. The kingdom of God wants us to take risks. And we talked about how that primarily looks when we take risks for people. When Jesus talks and about this ministry, it always comes back to other people. We issued that challenge last week. I pray that some of you got around to being able to do that, to connecting with somebody that you felt like God was calling you to take a risk on, to reach out to that person. I've heard a few of y'all tell, tell stories of those interactions, and it was so good to see that, that God was working in those relationships and working in those moments for you. And of course, when we think about this idea, uh, we, we talked about last week, that Jesus being the ultimate example of, of somebody who risks 
everything. We saw that Jesus, you know, risks his reputation. He risks his identity. He risks his life, his body, his family, all of his relationships. He gives it all away because he believes that God has called him into this thing called the kingdom. And he holds nothing back. And it's in those moments, I think about the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's wrestling with, do I really want to risk it all right here? Do I really want to do, it, do this? That God's favor gives him the courage to continue into the same life that God is inviting us into as well. This life of risk-taking for people, for others, for the kingdom of God. And so, listen to these words in Matthew 13, 31-32. Matthew records this. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Again, mustard seeds. Small, the parables. Small and short. And there's so much packed here in just these couple sentences. There's so much meaning, so much to take away. Now, if you remember the context of Matthew chapter 13, it's a lot like Luke chapters 13 and 14. Jesus is giving a bunch of different parables. You know, they're all short, one or two sentences, and he gives a a bunch of them. It's not just this parable that's here in this section of Scripture. There's a bunch of parables. There's a bunch. And And so remember what Jesus has said right before this. Look at verse 10 of Matthew 13. Matthew records, Then the disciples came and asked him, why do you speak to them in parables? Why riddles? You know, why not ten, a ten-point proof, this is what you need to do? Why does he tell stories? And Jesus responds to them in verse 16. He says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. He says this in Matthew 13, 16 through 17. And so when they want to know, you know, why do you speak in riddles, he reminds them that there are two layers of people. We talked about this last week a little bit. Not only in his, he talks about these layers of people not only in his life, but in the way that Matthew tells this story. You know, there are his disciples who are with him nonstop. And we talked about them last week. And then there are also these crowds of people who kind of move in for big events. And this is who Jesus is talking to, right? Not here, but this parable that he delivers is to these masses of people. And so the parables are almost a wink for Jesus to show his disciples, you know, I'm going to try to teach these masses indirectly what I've been teaching you directly for two, three years now. And the reason that he's only going to define and explain the parables a few times in Matthew is because he knows that the people who have not spent time with him like the disciples, these masses, they have to work at it to understand and appreciate who Jesus is. I mean, this is what great teachers do with students all the time. This is what they do. And this is something that we, that we struggle with. You know, we don't want to take the time to teach people. We don't want to take the time to invest in people. I think about that scene in the movie The Sandlot. You know, that, that movie that was made in the 90s about the kids that play baseball. And, and, and we get to see all these different characters. But this main character, he moves into this town. He's a new student, or he's a new kid. He's the new kid in town. And he's got his stepdad there, and he, he, wa- he wants to, he doesn't really know how to connect to his stepdad, but he knows his stepdad loves baseball, right? And, you know, he asks his stepdad over and over again to, to play catch with him, right? You know, we get to see that he wants his stepdad to just throw, play catch with him, teach him how to play catch. He doesn't even know how. So his stepdad takes him out and tries to teach him how to play catch. Kid is awful at it. And the stepdad just kind of gives 
up. You know, this is something that we're bad at. You, if you think about you as parents, your kid comes to you, I've got a question, uh, let's save it for later, you know. This isn't what Jesus is in the business of doing. He knows that he only has a very limited amount of time with these people. Jesus knows that the crowds only get a little bit of time, and he wants to leave them with something to wrestle with. He wants to leave them with something to chew, chew on. And then in verse 34, we're reminded that he doesn't teach the audience anything without telling a story. And I mean, it's saying here, Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. And so Jesus says in these short, pithy, tight, subversive stories that the kingdom of God is like, how many of you guys have ever eaten nerds candy? You know what I'm talking about? It's pretty good. Those little rock-looking candies. That's about the size of a mustard seed. Maybe, and the mustard seed might even be a little bit smaller than that. And I, what I wanted to do, I really wanted to be able to come bring up some mustard seeds here and give you all the opportunity after the service to come pick one up and try to get it home without losing it because it's, it's, it's near impossible. These, these seeds are so tiny. This picture really doesn't do it justice. If you've ever seen a mustard seed, they are these tiny, tiny little things. They're so small that, it, like, they're so tiny that when you put them in your finger, if you ever, like, squish down on your fingers with these seeds, you can't, you can barely feel them there. You can barely feel that these mustard seeds are there. And so Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is like one of these tiny little mustard seeds, the smallest of all the seeds. You know, but he's saying, but when you're diligent, when you're faithful, when you're trusting of God, that once that tiny seed goes into the ground, if you stay with it, if you endure with resilience, eventually it's going to become, become something that grows to be super large, like this right here. This is a mustard tree. This came from that tiny little seed and turns into this giant tree right here. And it seems ridiculous if you've never seen it before. How in the world can something so small and be so inviting and beautiful? And so what is, Jesus, what is Jesus saying here? You know, he doesn't give us the answer, the interpretation to what he's getting at here. What could he mean by this? You know, is he talking about the size of our faith, or is he talking about the location of our faith? And what I mean by this is Jesus understands in our lives that what it is to live out the story in very ordinary, practical, mundane ways. That's why last week, very practical thing, go out, connect with somebody, be with people. Very practical, very mundane. And, and Jesus knows this. In fact, it's possible that what Jesus was saying 2,000 years ago is this. The test is not the largeness of your faith. It's the locus of your faith. And what I mean is this. Isn't it better to have a mustard-seed-sized mustard faith in the kingdom of God, as expressed in Jesus, than it is to have huge faith in a story that's temporary? Are you with me? Isn't it better to just have a little bit of faith in Jesus than a lot of faith in yourself? Isn't it better to have a little bit of faith in Jesus than it is to have a lot of faith in the United States of America? Isn't it better to have a little bit of faith in Jesus than it is to have a lot of faith in our jobs and our 401k? And what he's saying is it's not the size of your faith. It's the location of where you put your faith. It's where you're centered. You know, I love this quote by Ben Witherington. It says, Though the dominion appeared small like a seed during Jesus' ministry, it would inexorably grow into something large and firmly rooted, which some would find shelter in and some would find obnoxious and try to root out. And doesn't he just capture the essence of the kingdom of God so 
well here about how people respond to the message of the kingdom of God. Some, of, some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are, are, are encouraged by it. Some people are just confused by it. It just captures it so well. Our everyday experiences bear witness to what Jesus is saying. This is one of the things that I love about Jesus' parables. You know, you don't have to be a Jesus person to appreciate what Jesus is saying. You don't have to be a Jesus person to appreciate what he's saying. Now, it helps to be a Jesus person, but you're not on the outside of it if you don't believe. And here's what I mean. Jesus understands something so central to the human experience that when we plant good things that are small, when we take something that is small, they become incredible things that are large. Think about it like this. If you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. This, this is the Bible that Jesus would have read. This was what he would have grown up, the stories that he would have listened to and would have known. You know, it says this in, verse, in, in Genesis 22, 17 through 18. This is, this is God talking to Abram and Sarah. He says, I will indeed bless you, and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies, and by your offspring shall all the nations of earth gain blessing blessing for themselves because you have obeyed my voice. You know, God is saying to Abram and Sarai here that he is going to take them, these two very small, insignificant human beings, these people, and he's going to build an entire nation out of them. He's going to do something great with them. And, And this is the same thing that is going on in this parable. It's the exact same thing that Jesus is preaching right here to these people. Jesus is saying that he is starting small, that he is starting miniature. But over time, this thing is going to grow so big. And if you think about it today, if you include all of the Jews, all of the Christians today, you're looking at about 3 billion people. 3 billion people who are are God followers. And it all started with Abram and Sarah. It all began with them. And you know, they were neither Jew nor Christian. Abram and Sarai were neither Jew nor, nor Christian, right? You know, they're, they're, they're these people from the Ur of the Chaldees. And he's saying, I'm taking these mustard seeds, these two small seeds, the faith of this woman and this man, and I'm going to grow something beautiful and large, something that people today, three billion people today, believe in this God, in this being that's created everything. We follow these commands. We listen to these commands. We, we love these things. And he, he's, this, this, this is just what Jesus is saying. A- another way to look at it. I think, how many of you have ever been to New York City? Raise your hand if you've ever been to New York City. A few hands. A few hands. So if you remember, think about the first time that you flew into New York City. If you've ever been. How did, how did you feel? So I've only been to New York City once in my life. I went my senior year of high school with, with, my, with my high school choir. And I remember flying in and just looking out my plane window, and it was, just blew my mind how big this city was, just how much there was that's there. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's unlike anything. It's, it's as far from Mustang, Oklahoma as you can get. Like, it is, it is giant. It is, it is, it's huge. It's, it's mind-blowing. And... For those of you that know the history of New York City and the island of Manhattan, how did it begin? Does anybody know? It it began as a trading post, this tiny little trading post. 
where these Frenchmen and these Englishmen come to trade furs. And 400 years later, it's one of the most diverse cities in the entire world. It's one of the biggest cities in the entire world. You know, it, it just happened where the Hudson River comes down, and, 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 and this is just the same principle. You know, not, I'm not necessarily saying that God took New York City and made it big. I'm not necessarily saying that's what God did. I'm sure God had a hand in that. But it's the same concept. Something so big has the potential to become something so large. Think about planet Earth. When you ask a lot, of, lot smarter people than me about how fast the universe is, is expanding, nobody actually knows. You know, we don't even know how big the universe is. But on planet Earth, God has planted this tiny seed of humanity that is now populating the whole planet Earth. Seven billion plus people that live here. And whatever God did in the very beginning in Genesis 1, 1 through 4, you know, his word, his word was a seed that started all of creation. God's word was this small little seed. And look what it's turned into. Look what it became. What I'm saying is that you can take this one parable from Jesus and it changes the whole way that you see the world. It changes the whole way that you see your life. And if you look at the Hebrew words of Genesis 1 and read it carefully, we get to see that there, there wasn't necessarily nothing in the beginning, but there, there was this sense of chaos that came from this nothingness. And it says, it says there that in this chaos, the words of God, the spoken word of God is like a tiny seed that fixes it all. It changes the course of this world and changes the course of time, changes the course of our universe, all because this word of God, a few simple little words, changed everything. You know, let there be light, and the light separated from the darkness. Let us make men and women in our image again. Tiny little mustard seeds that over the course of thousands of years, millions of years, I don't know, creates this incredible place that we get to live on. Even if it is complicated and full of drama sometimes, this wonderful planet that we get to be on. And you know, let's get practical here. I'm not a father, but if you have children, think about them. You know, the doctors tell you that there's these little things called zygotes. I bet you didn't think you were going to hear the word zygote when you came to listen to a sermon today. But the doc, you know, the doctor will tell you if you've, if you've ever given birth, you know, the, there's this little zygote that it starts as. And, and you know, what, what, what is more of a mustard seed than thinking about and witnessing the birth of children and watching them grow up from these Turning, turning from this little child, from if you look at the ultrasounds, this little beam of a thing, and growing into just these wonderful, diverse human beings that all are uniquely made in the image of God, that all have a unique calling. I think about, if you were here last week, I think about the fielders um, that were here talking to us about their, their mission work that they do down in South Texas and, and in Mexico. I think about them. You know, this ministry started because a small church of only about 30 people decided that they were going to help some people affected by an ice storm in the 1980s. They just bought some warm clothes and food for, the, for the, some of their neighbors, for some of the people there. And if you fast forward to today, that same church and those, a lot of those same people have planted over 10 churches in South Texas and Mexico. They've built over 100 houses for people and, pl- and repaired so many more. They have baptized thousands of people over these 40 years, and it's all because this small little church, a mustard seed of a church, I'm not hating on church sizes, but a small little church, a mustard seed, decided to buy their neighbors 
some warm clothes and food. And that's how the kingdom of God works. And of course, like last week, it's taken me 15 minutes to get here, 20 minutes to get here. Jesus is the interpretation of this mustard seed. Just like our Bible school teachers taught us, Jesus is always the answer. You know, the angel comes to his mother Mary, says, you're going to do what? You're going to do, do you know who I am? Do you know who, who we are? You know, my husband works in, in Sephora. He can't even get a job here in Nazareth. And like we live here in this little tiny 500 person town. Everybody knows each other. If, if we're not related, we, we probably got like a distant cousin over here living over here. We know everybody that lives here. And you're going to do what in human history through us? And the angel says, yes, I'm coming to tell you about the mustard seed that is about to be birthed into the world. Plant it into the ground. And the living thing, as you know it, it's only going to live about 30, 33 years. But when his body goes back into the ground, like seeds do, you can't imagine what God is going to grow around the world. You can't imagine it. We look at today, hospitals are named after the disciples. Harvard, Princeton, Yale, the finest institution in this country, all started like mustard seeds to train missionaries and pastors. I'm, sa- I'm telling you that, that Jesus, if you take Jesus' words seriously, you can see them everywhere you go. They're all over the place. They're everywhere. I, 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 think, about, I think about Mustang. I think about Mustang. For, I, I, I just moved here a few years ago, but for those of you that have lived here a long time, think about what Mustang was 40 years ago, 30 years ago. And now, you know, if you talk to somebody, they might have said, you live where? You live where? I live in Mustang. Where's that? You know, they probably didn't know. They probably didn't know. And now we get to see that this community is one of the most rapidly growing communities in the entire OKC area. Small things, when nurtured, when cared for, can become big and beautiful. God wants to take these small things and turn them into something large. God can use a simple hello that you say to that person at the grocery store and change their life forever. You know, God can use you, somebody that may be sitting here visiting for the very first time, has never heard the words of Jesus in your life. He can use these words. He can change your life forever. And so the invitation this morning, and really I think this is the invitation that Jesus calls calls into with all of the parables, is will you receive the invitation to see the possibilities of what kingdom seeds can do when they are planted into fertile ground? It's simply asking, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I think one of the reasons Jesus doesn't usually explain the parables is because he knows that God is going to lay these words on people's hearts in different ways. God, God, you might have heard this parable this morning, and it might, have, it might have struck something inside of you that's going to be different from the person sitting next to you. You know, God is calling us into different things. There's different mustard seeds that we're supposed to plant somewhere else. Maybe we are the mustard seed. I don't know. Maybe that's what God is telling you today. And you know, these parables are calling us into something, and that is something that's so unique to every individual listener. You know, these parables are subversive. They ask you to suspend logic that you bring into many definitions of success and failure, but most of all, these parables are so compelling to us because they believe that joy 
that God can do the unexpected, that joy is the primary hallmark of a person who loves God. It's joy. It's not fear. It's not obedience. It's, it's, it, it's not certainty. The primary hallmark of the person who stays with the parables of Jesus, these sneaky stories and riddles that cause you to go, I wonder what he meant. Oh, that's what he meant. When we realize it. You know, it's a smile and an open heart to receive the kingdom of God and joy to keep planting the seeds and spreading the kingdom of God to everybody that we come into contact with. And so as we take this teaching this week, like Jesus did to his listeners, as we take these words of Jesus to our homes, to our lunch tables, to our jobs, to our walks, to our runs, whatever it may be, we can meditate on what Jesus means in this story for our lives. God can use something so small and turn it into something so, so big. Let me pray for us real quick. God, thank you for today. God, I pray that we all here listening to this story of that Jesus told one of the, the greatest storyteller of all, God, that we can take these words and apply it to our life, God. I pray that if there are people in here that are feeling small, insignificant, God, that, you, that they can know that, that you have a place in the kingdom of God for them where they are going to do something big in your eyes, God. And if that's not what they're hearing, God, I pray that they are inspired to know that as we plant these seeds, as we take these seeds to this world, that, God, you're going to work in it, that you're going to take these simple words, something as small as a hello and holding a door open in a, in a grocery store, and can use that to show people the kingdom of God. We love you, God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, church, I pray this morning that you take these words. I don't know what they mean to you. I think that's part of the power in them, is that we, they, you, you might interpret this in a different way for yourself. But know this. God can take something as small as a mustard seed and make it as big as he wants it to be. I love you guys. Let's go ahead and stand as we sing.